0: Welcome to Conversations with Quiet Leaders. My name is Juliette Morris. I believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening, what's being said and what's being heard. In this podcast, you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold, more brave and more comfortable with who they are. So today i am delighted to welcome kim jones to the podcast kim founded hgkc 10 years ago with peter quintana a management consultancy focused on leadership innovation and exit succession kim had a very rewarding career working in several sectors from public sector retail marketing to academia um, which led her from being a trainee accountant to being a commercial director and then Kim took a career break in 2004 to study an MBA and stayed on at the university until 2013. And I, I love the, I love the sentence you gave me, Kim, uh, that you are curious about how, how ideas become reality and you wanted to continue working in that context of change that led you to develop your own style of practical and analytical and getting to the heart of what matters. So welcome, Kim. Delighted to have you on. It's wonderful to be here today, Juliet. I've been looking forward to this conversation for weeks. Um, so there's so much in your uh, little introduction that I'd love to explore. But I guess as as we're talking about quiet leadership, so we met via lunch club. And um, I remember we had a very brief conversation about introversion and being quieter, um, particularly around the context of networking. That's what we were doing. Um, So I'm really interested to hear... Your thoughts on introversion and quiet leadership and how that shows up for you?
1: I think it's been a really, um, a really kind of hard, painful journey for me, accepting that I really was an introvert really early on in my career. Because introverts have no less ambition, they just have to find a different way of articulating it and making it work for them not just behaviorally, but emotionally as well. You know, how, how society and how business, you know, rewards behavior. So, largely you see much more extrovert behaviors being rewarded in order to adopt that as an introvert, hmm. you know, a long way. So, it doesn't necessarily come out of so and happy and practical. It comes out in different ways and could be aggressive or passive aggressive. So, You you know, as you're ambitious and you still want to grow in in yourself and in your business and what you might do, how you get there has to be really different. You have to find other ways of, you know, uh, navigating the landscape of development. How do you get get on in the business? You know, how do you add value to it? How do you grow in yourself? I found that a really, uh, really challenging thing to learn. So I learned about myself, you know, so did do that personal inquiry, you know, where my strengths are and you know, what it costs me to, to do those extrovert things like do networking. I understand that working my stretch and
0: my hard. I love that style of personal inquiry, that journey you've taken yourself on. When did that start? It started, I think. Um, really, I've had some
1: management positions as an a, as an accountant. I left. I was training at a, uh, a retail company, and then I got a job at TV licensing. And it was at the time when the Post Office owned TV licensing was all being split out. Um, mm-hmm. The end of the eighties, the like, yeah, the late eighties into the nineties. And I had taken a big management role with a lot of people, so 70 people, There's a lot going on. And I realised that I was just, the, you know, I felt I was the wrong sort of person. Rather than, you know, this isn't for me. Well, what I now know is that it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an expert, you can all leave. But at the time, I didn't really appreciate that in my was 20 so I started from that point when I left, thought, this is not me, I can't work like this. So I left, go and join a marketing company. And they were very supportive culturally about understanding your starting your strengths. And they were Scandinavian ownership, they had a much more that lens on the world as people. And they just really encouraged us to, to do that to read, to learn, learning how to you know, it's really worked to my strengths, really. And then how do I deal with the things that I don't
0: want to deal with? So I love that you had an organisation that embraced that, almost like that, diversity and inclusion, you mm-hmm. know, the bringing the, together the different personalities, the different types of people, how we like to work.
1: And they, and they were very different. You know, I stayed with them for 13 years. And the only reason I left was because the business, you know, marketing companies, at that time they were going through this huge acquisition, dispersal, regrouping, mm-hmm. you know, it was that kind of process. Otherwise, I think I would, have, I would probably still be there. It was mm-hmm. interesting. I'm reflecting yesterday, talking to my husband about it. He said, well, you know, there's only about four or five people left from our cohort there. And then saying, where are we all? You know, where is my peer group? You know, and people are running agencies. They're doing all sorts of interesting things. And, and I think it's because we had such an environment. You know, we had... Um, kind of abstract development of you know a set of stars, I suppose. Said, so, you know, these people are a bit different. Let's put these 20 people through something to help them really focus on that or accelerate the impact in the business. Well, they were doing that, you know, in the noughties, where people were in a small business really, you know, a business of you know, less than 500 people. That was um, kind of unheard of. And it was a, actually run by one of the board to be your best and when I look at the diversity of personalities even then it was a really radical place to be it, it really made me much more confident to be um, to be the quiet manager
0: it's interesting isn't it that um, you described that well I'm fascinated by the description you used of being it's quite a radical approach And it sounded like it took one person who was going to sponsor that at a senior level to say, this is what we're going to do to really drive the performance of people and the organization. And then it sounds like that, though, that cohort you're in have gone on to do phenomenal things because they really embrace that. And yeah, I love that. I love
1: that. I think it was um, a cultural thing because I mean, I I used to take part in, in, we used to run induction, really sophisticated induction programs, but even a recruitment process, you know, we would run um, all day away days with people, again, working in groups, when in a small firm, you just didn't have those sorts of things. Those were the sorts of things multinationals were doing, and we were doing them at, at that level. So we were looking for people who were a bit different, who thought a bit different, but you were looking for you know, not playing the old ball collection, but you know, people who had definitely got some energy about it, think about the future. You know, and I think of the blend of people. You know, there are well, a huge blend of introverts and extroverts in terms of preferences, or people-based or task-based people. It really was a uh, a nice melting pot. Mm,
0: sounds wonderful. It it very successful as a company. Yeah. So that almost sounds later on in your career, is that correct? I think you mm-hmm. discovered that. So how we sort of worked back then, childhood, uh, university, you know, early days yeah. in career. How did you navigate that world then If without that personal inquiry?
1: Um, I think I was probably, um, I, I was over chatty, you yeah. know, yeah. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, when you see your school reports, when you clear out your parents' house, you know, when they, they pass on and then you find school reports, uh, they're the ones that they never showed you. Um, you know, it's a loquacious child. And I think I just wanted to be listened to because I just probably felt that I didn't get the feedback that I, I needed in the way I needed it. So, and then... I knew that I would withdraw. So if anything got too challenging, I would just withdraw. You know, and go quiet. You know, and stop contributing. Because it would either be two powerful personalities in the room, either with children or our adults, and go, well, I'll take my time here. And to do so. So became quite good at being the if there was a conflict, being the <laughs> referee. Oh, I can see both sides, but how you thought about? Because I've yeah. weighed, you know, I hadn't done it in straight away. But I think it made me quite critical because I would have that observer role. So when I did speak, I could be quite critical,
0: quite minimal. Starting as a role as trainee accountant, do you think that then played to your strengths as a quieter person?
1: I think it did. I mean, you, you don't want to be typecast, mm. but you know the blend of people you have in there are either kind of, you know, more task-based, more measured. I liked that. I liked at the early stages the fact that there was this rhythm as well, mm. you know, measured. So it, it played to that. You know, the, the monthly cycle that you have as a, an accountant, there's monthly things, called yes. and span things allowed me to find my level. But I would also say, I worked with very extrovert bosses. So a lot of the team, I would say, would be introvert, but a lot of the managers and leaders would be quite dynamic, extrovert people. But I did find that over time, once I got what I needed from it, I didn't want to be an accountant I didn't want that monthly same old, same old because it didn't play to my curiosity. And it was one it was the managing director of the art company said that you don't really want to be an accountant, do you? you you're much more interested in people's shoes than you're I, I thought that was a really interesting observation. Mm. You're always looking, did you know you're always looking up or over your role and So what about that and why? So let's. Let's work out how we can use your skills in business. Differently. That's why I became a commercial director because you you really understand the numbers. Numbers mean something different to you than other people. We could use that in, in the business better.
0: So, what do you think was the the changing point? Then was it someone observing that you had this curiosity and wanted to do something different? Or was it was it something you were doing, or was it a mixture of both?
1: I think. I didn't have the confidence, and I think that came from that quietness, that being overlooked. So that fact that to me reached out and saw that gift and that trust—they trusted me, and I trusted them—that this was in my best interests. And and it's hard to let go of something where you feel you should finish it. So the, the finisher in me is going: They no, started this; you've got to qualify.
0: But I, I can also see that that's how you operate, and and I recognise that because that's how I operate. You know, on the sidelines, observing, watching, being able to take not not just a measured approach, but seeing all sides and seeing that opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's a, somebody wants to do a cartoon of me on a, on a bicycle, uh, in going full pelt, going, Come mm. everybody, you know. <laughs> being able to be the one that wants to make sure everything works for everybody. Mm. You, know, you know, we all know we count these all the people all the time, um, but wants to find the common ground, you know, wants to be the negotiator.
0: So I'm appreciating that you did the personal inquiry sort of later on in your career, but on looking back, has being an introvert acquired a quieter leader changed your approach to life and business I think it's um it's helped me carve out doing
1: things my own way that I don't have to be like other people I don't have to mimic those extroverts behaviors it's also when I am required understanding that part of leading is performing performance people see and observe the behavior of you doing is understanding that I can do that but I have to plan. So I have to be more thoughtful and perhaps more prepared, which is quite hard because you don't have as much spontaneity perhaps as you, people around you might find. But I think for the big things that have mattered, you know, you do have to do get up and give a speech, give a presentation to lots of people. You know, when I was at the university running quite a big team, I thought to, go to if this isn't. Experts of experts of endism, and I'm doing it. What am I doing? Am I an imposter? (laughs) All these amazing people. But, you know, that's the end of the day. You're giving of the keynotes, so somebody asked you for a reason. So to take confidence from that. But, you know, for me, I had to probably practice more than other people, you know, really look after myself. But that takes quite a lot of energy. No, no. So, it's made me perhaps more that that kind of leader, but it's also made made me think a lot about when I ask other people to do those things, not trying to transfer what I feel, but really honestly asking them, Are you really okay with doing this? Mm. Because I know what it costs me. Are you really okay? And that's so, if you need the support to do it, that's fine. If you really don't want to do it, that is also fine. Because um a lot of people would just say, Oh, it's just a presentation, you'll be fine. And you just you know, it will come out well, but it might not be a good experience.
0: You know, and those things pile up if you don't request them like. Most people that I've encountered don't like asking for help because they see it as a failure, they can't do it, you know, they've been tasked with something, it's part of the organization or part of their role, part of something they've said yes to and then they've gone. Gosh, I, wouldn't have, I wish I hadn't said yes to that now. Yeah. So having that approach is really important.
1: It, it is, and it's, you know, there is no, the, you know, as I saying, you know, you can go far on your own, but you go further together. Mm. That's why you need to ask for help. And I think we are very pressured to deliver on time. So being able to ask for help now is even more important than mm. probably once a year ago. Because of you know the deadlines that we work, sometimes. because you know yeah. the deadline really has to be hit. Like you know, it's easier more people get involved. Yeah. Not yeah. if I'm on my own, I'll get it done. It doesn't always work like that, does it?
0: No. And then it it comes back to the environments you're creating because not every environment has that space or has the people around them to go. Yeah, I can help you or asking the right questions or observing that actually something's not quite right here we could do something better and deliver quicker if we pull together as a team but that doesn't always work so I think that that awareness and observation is really key. Mm -hmm.
1: I I think it's a curiosity that people have and that lack of curiosity
0: about why they do things
1: where they do it they just do it.
0: Why do you think that is that people don't have the curiosity?
1: Because there is a risk in curiosity, and the risk is around either a personal risk—people think oh, I'll be found out and not as good as I think I am. There's a lot of that, you know. People have that thing mind it. Or oh, I'm quite comfy with the way it is, and I don't really want to change. Because most people don't actually like change, even small change. If it's, it's a big change, people lose their reference points or what gives them confidence. You know, if you start with Actually, the culture of this place is, is, is changed. just the word change, just changes all the time, get used to it. you're not really up for change, when you're in the wrong place. You know, us quiet leaders need to steal the ground because we are a work with us. Much more, much more collaborative, much more collegiate, much more listening. That's what allows them people to, to embrace change, be part of it, make it for themselves.
0: How have you been able to do that? Because if we, if we take the black and white polarization of introvert, extrovert, you know, and there's a myriad of personality and our brains function all slightly differently. And yes, there are some threads with that. And much of it, as you've described, it's about how you you manage your energy with you. But how, if we take that polarization of introvert and extrovert and that myriad of people within an organization how have you found your voice? Because I think there is a difference between the introverts who just want to, ha- you know, be on their own, work on their own, or, you know, they're very happy with yeah. their own circle, to actually stepping up and going, this is how we should do something differently, better, higher performing, or, you know, whatever that those phrases are. There is a distinction there.
1: Yeah, there is a distinction. So I think, um, for me, I've done it by becoming the expert, being mm. has expert, so the person you need to go and ask for things. And I suppose the sort of the career progression I've had has allowed me to actually be quite broad in, in, in lots of areas around innovation and leadership and management. And that allowed, has allowed me to, to be the person to, to find my voice that way. Well, we, or we need an independent person. So a lot of the jobs I've chosen are me to do that. So I would join a division of a business for mm-hmm. a reason to be an, an external man that's not involved to help them do something big or to make a change. So I've been allowed to work with that management team and then the organisation below that to see where I can best help them so that allows me to go to the bottom and to the top of the organisation. So you work with everybody at all levels. So you, you become that really good listener. Mm. So I think that's a really important role and confidential trust. So they know they can talk to you and they, mm-hmm. they know you're not going to tell my boss exactly what they said. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to distilled voices, then you, you will do that rather than personalise it. So yes. I think it's the not working on the character of people, but the behavioural observable bit, you know, people say. Um, and I think in our, in our own business, we all do the personal inquiry bit. We all understand our strengths. We all know whether we're an introvert or an extrovert. We all understand our practices, what people are. And we use that to work together. And we will even use that kind of language to say, I know I'm pushing you out of your comfort zone to do this. It will be hard. What support do you need? So you, know, you make the offer to make it easy for them, you know, and they're checking in. So it makes you a much more perhaps active manager in that respect. And you're checking in more for feeling as well as thinking. I think you know, we talk a lot about well-being, but making sure that you are looking out for people, you know, in a holistic way, the whole person, not just getting
0: the job done where you found your voice through being an expert to that leading you to then being able to talk about the whole person you know and encouraging that um yeah. personal choir with others if people were listening to this and thinking well how do i how do i find out what i'm an expert in if i've covered a lot of different things and um, what tips could you give them
1: the first thing i would do is I would get I'd make a list of things I really like doing and a list of things um, I think I'm really good at. So what do I like? What do the outputs look like? Those two things. And see what that looks like. And then I would ask other people more, people you've worked with. And quite often I've done this through getting somebody else, a friend, to do it for me, not myself. You know, we do it on a company level, but we're individual consultants, so you know, it's at that level as well.
0: Mm.
1: You know, it's to get people to say, okay, so what is the real difference that I make in this working relationship to you? What, what are the things I do that are, are different or best or most rewarding or better than others is to get that? And then you've got a, a kind of a fuller picture we want to do more of the things we like. You know, I know we've got the 80 20 rule. You know, 20 of all the things we did were wonderful. That would be plenty, wouldn't it? But it's still you've got to say, okay, where do I navigate to most, and look at where your expertise develops from there. So you know, I know you know there are two or three things I really like doing, and I do, but they're not what I love to. But I know I can. You know, so having more things I really love at, at work. And it's really hard to be that brutally honest with yourself, but you have to be. And I would you know, invest in a bit of profiling around yourself, you know, because you do understand, need to understand where you, you go to in conflict, where you go to in respect. Because sometimes there's a really good cause of what makes you really good. You know, it's like in, an, in the army, you know, we all have a steady-eddy job, but when you
0: go over the top, That's when it really counts. The things I heard there was one is when you know what you love, that fills you with energy, which gives you that drive and builds that performance and also gives you your happiness. Mm -hmm. And then when you understand yourself, there's always a flip side to something, understanding what those are and also learn how to interact with them. And I I think the the more self-aware, the deeper you go within yourself. It becomes increasingly more comfortable, but you do learn much more about how you can. I'm trying not to use the phrase "bounce back" because the government uses it far too much. But yeah. you know, you're yeah. able yeah. to you're able to then go, okay, I need more of this. This is how I operate. So yeah, they're really yeah. really great points. You're well. You've got to. You've got to because it's very easy to see when you're a generalist, You've got a bit of pain, oh yeah, I can do all of that. But if you were true to your heart, you go. I could do all of that, but there's only one thing on there that really makes me excited.
1: Yeah. You know, and you do it at work. You think, okay, who's the best person for this, this mm. job? You know, you might have a preference to do that work, but actually, you have to feel the right team for the right client. Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm working with somebody who's very fast paced at the moment, and it's really challenging. <laughs> God, knows what it means to me. But uh, I shall ask you later on when we know each other a bit better. <laughs> it's really interesting. I feel like I've got a tiger by the tail here. Yeah. But it's it's interesting But I I always feel really energetic after, you know, a session with that person because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's, um, they're sharing it with you. You know, they're sharing their energy with you, which is just wonderful in that respect.
0: You've been running your management consultancy for some time now. What's your own personal Dream your own personal mission.
1: Well, I've got I've got quite a dream for the future. So, and this is a really big year for me. So, um, I'm applying to a PhD mm. in, um, in the uh, and it's around bringing together things that have really come from my working life. So, it is around the decision making behaviours of entrepreneurial people so you know it's a mixture of being that observer for 20 or 30 years of working with people particularly in from startup and scaling up and businesses where you've been things going through a lot of growth a lot of change it is looking at that from the nature nurture point of view which ones have been successful over a, in a really long period of time? You know, so there's people I've coached, there's university startups and spinouts. You know, that are now very successful businesses here. And thinking about some of the early stages of those people, so I've been hatching this little theory since 2013, since I started the, my uh, consultancy. So I'm now going to carry um, on my next sort of 10 years into academia, how do we help people innovate and create value in their business? Part of that creation is we're building value to exit some people or for the next generation. So they're, they're long programs. So you're are a long game. you work them over a long period of time. So I already have my kind of little dream. It's like, you know, the curiosity about people and systems and thinking and you know one of the things that we learn that we can share how do we help people access that so some of it is obviously not learnable but if there are things that are learnable yes how do we help learn them so that they can have it better?
0: that's really exciting I remember you um, you were thinking about that and that was something yeah. you were hatching so that's really exciting Well, so I've got my
1: informal interview next week they they're been quite close now so i am getting you know You've got the butterflies in the tummy feeling.
0: Now. I love that, and I, I can I can see the possibilities in that. But what is it? I know you've said it will feed back into the business. If you were able to eke that out and push it more, and the possibilities on that topic itself, what else do you are you hoping that it will serve for in the future?
1: I think I'm really interested in the democratization of ideas. One of the things I find really challenging around leadership is it, the people who lead are usually not the most capable. They're not necessarily the people who are the thinkers. You know, they are good at bringing people along, but they're not necessarily. So we have to have a way to make the good ideas get through quicker in all parts of society, not just in business. You know, so about social policy, around the we live. So how do we get a bit more of a level playing field for ideas? I mean, if we look at the way startups, investment, and all of that works, it's just poisonous. It really is. Um, I've got to find some better ways. So I'm really interested in how they, the entrepreneurial people, move those things forward, how do we actually open it up more in society, so that they come from a better range, of, a what a broader range of people, not a better, just a broader range. Of
0: yeah, it's
1: a big salt, isn't it? So it'll be just I, I, a you know a drop, a drop in a very big ocean.
0: Yeah, and. um but I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's really exciting. And there are people that are starting to think about that. And actually, if we go back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the podcast is if you observe and you think more broadly and think how other people are thinking and feeling, we can open that back up. But there needs to be, uh, or there has to be, to have a future, there has to be a bigger shift and a quicker shift than what we're operating at right now. Um, on that, yeah, I, I think
1: that's a really astute observation,
0: Julia. Thank you. Mm. So yeah, fascinating. We'll have to keep in touch because I'd love to hear how you get along. So you've got your big mission. You've talked about being quieter, the observation, the your um, personal inquiry through your years. So mm-hmm. um, to close out our episode, can you share your top three tips for listeners? I think that the first tip I would have is whatever you are, it's okay to be who you are. So
1: don't try and be something that you're not because it's really painful. I do think personal inquiry is really important, would be my second point. You have to really use yourself and the resources that you have uh, to know yourself well because you feel judged all the time, I think is the thing, by not being like something else or either people holding up the standard for you or you're holding up a false standard? You have to bite the bullet and do it. And it is a job to be done. And I, I think the third thing is don't settle.
0: You have to be curious, pushing, finding your ways to be heard. I, I love those, being yourself. And it's an exploration, isn't it? Because we try stuff out, doesn't quite work, or perhaps it's not where we are right now because we all change and we evolve and... Yeah. And that's, important. You know, I
1: think you know, people don't read enough, they don't listen enough. You know, it, try some challenging stuff that you wouldn't do. You know, I, I gave a bunch of very square lawyers Brené O'Brien's Dare to Be to Read, and they just looked at it, <laughs> yes. it initially. One of them flipped through and like, went, You want me to read all of this? I went, like, Yeah, yeah, and uh, they were very reluctant, 18 months on, they're all right. Like, you know, using it, you know, challenging ourselves, you know. And you know, because oh, I'm not much of a reader as well, are you a listener? Yeah, well, okay, well, listen to it on a podcast or an audiobook or mm. watch little videos. So I find lots of clips and things. It's just, there's so many resources, for whatever you are, mm. what your learning style or disability yeah. might be, you know, it's accessible. Yeah you know, just try things on, be more, be more engaging about the breadth of what you read, you know, don't all just read, you know, be famous in five minutes, seven easy tips, because there, there just isn't,
0: you know. No, you need to have the depth. and the understanding. Yeah,
1: it, it's, it, and a broad range of things, you know, and that's good for people, you know, people are great results. I also would recommend that people find themselves a mentor, you know, having that person that you can talk to, related or unrelated to your, passion is, is really useful you know and the one thing about mentoring is it's great and there's always somebody who you'd like to help
0: you know, just reach out Sounds brilliant thank you well, so thank much you, Jim. that was really insightful and a pleasure to have you on so thank you for the conversation thank you too thank you for listening i love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more i challenge their thoughts to create possibility anyone can be part of the conversation Leave me a message, ask a question, and connect with me.